Colonel, how are we doing? Oh, you guys excited? You guys are looking good this morning. Not that you don't normally look good. I'm just transitioning, so i got to say something. Uh, hey, I want to encourage you guys to Thank definitely you. go to that family internet safety class, all right? I think sometimes as parents, we don't understand things, and so we're like, you're not having the Snapchat or the Instagram, right? That's lazy, parents. Yes. That's lazy, okay? So go to the class, learn about it, because here's the truth. Your kids, in their life, they're going to have social media. They're going to be on the internet. So might as well learn about it, all right? So I encourage you, yep. go to the class, all right? Good. Um, again, good morning. My name is Steve. This is my wife, Brooke. We're excited. Yes, thank you, Patty. <laughs> We're excited to be here this morning. We're on staff here at church. We get to work with the best part of the body of Christ, which is the teenagers. Especially when they Par I thought parents would be like, yes, teenagers, no? I was going to say, especially when they remember to wear their deodorant. Yes, that is good. When they do that, it is good, <laughs> yes. Um, but we're excited to be here this morning as we continue our series that we've been calling Cultivate. Uh, we've been talking about how we can cultivate different relationships in our lives, so how we can grow in our marriages, how we can grow in our friendships. And uh, since we work with students, since Brooke works with women and moms, and we have a young family, we are excited today to be able to talk about family discipleship. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, and we figured we might as well start by asking this question, what is discipleship? If we're going to talk about it, we should know what it is. So this is discipleship. A disciple is someone who follows the teachings and life of another person. And the reality is this. We are all discipling someone. Whether you realize it or not, there is a friend, there is a kid, there is a grandkid, there is someone in your life who is looking to you and watching how you live, and you are discipling them, whether it's in a good way or whether it's in a bad way. And another reality is this. We can disciple people in anything. So, for instance, us here in Minnesota, we disciple our kids to be Minnesota sports fans, which leads them, he goes, no, amen. He knows, he knows. Which leads them to a life of disappointment, correct? <laughs> that was good. That was great. I'm glad he did that. We, we planned that. We planned that. So can you be done. here for the third service? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can disciple your kids in anything. You can disciple in politics. You can disciple in healthy living. You can disciple, like in my family growing up, how to load the dishwasher correctly. Can I get an amen yes, from I my siblings? Yes, I realized when she I got learned married, she was wrong. I was wrong. I don't was, load the dishwasher correctly. <laughs> so you can disciple in anything. But as followers of Christ, we're called to disciple in something a little bit different, a little bit more important, I would say. We're called to disciple our children to love Jesus, to know Jesus and to follow him. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And the thing is, this starts at home. This starts with us as parents. It starts as grandparents, as guardians. If you have people in your life at home, you are called to disciple them and guide them. Um, so we're going to take some time today, and we're going to talk about spiritual and very practical ways that we can disciple our kids and our families. Because the reality is this, coming here to church and just dropping your kids off at Kids Church, that's great and awesome, but that is not discipleship. It's part of it. It's a big part of it. It's great, and yes, we want to do that, but that is not where it starts. You have been given the responsibility to disciple your children and show them who Jesus is. No one else. No one else carries that burden. Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about how that looks in our home, how we've been growing in that, and how we can continue to grow in this area. Now, disclaimer. We fall short in this. 
We fall short. We are not perfect at it. So if you hear things today that sound really good, just know that this is our highlight reel, baby. <laughs> like, this is the Instagram highlight reel. Like, we fall short a lot. We are still growing into this. But we just want to share with you some of the things that have worked for us, some of the things we have learned from other people in our lives. So family dis discipleship is really one of my biggest passions because it's so important, and it's such a big task, right? But this doesn't have to be so daunting. We can make it practical. Um, practical work is spiritual work. So before we get started, let's just all take a deep breath, okay? This is going to be okay. There is so much grace uh, when we talk about family discipleship. We are not going to do this right every day, okay? So let's just understand that first. Um, but today, like Stephen said, we're going to share some things that work for us. Um, we realize everyone is in a different stage of parenting or discipleship uh, with your families or whomever that you are discipling. And so we want to share what works for you. But like Stephen said, there are plenty of times we fall short. So I'm going to give you an instance where I fall short. Um, there have been plenty mornings where I'm reading my Bible or maybe writing um, a sermon for mom's group or whatever it is. And the kids are playing while I'm reading the Bible. And they're too loud. They're driving me crazy. So I turn around and I'm like, shut up. Mom is trying to read her Bible, you know. So, like, just so you know, we don't get this right every day. So I just wanted to give you that little disclaimer. Now, if you are a kid or a teenager in here, please don't tune me out because I have a job for you to do. I'm looking right at you, okay. I have a job for you to do, and we're going to talk about that a little later. So make sure you're listening. And then if you don't have kids in here, don't tune me out. Because the reality is, is we are part of the family of God, which means we have work to do in discipleship. We can use these family practices with whoever that we are discipling. That's right. And uh, so we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy today, and we're just looking at six verses, okay? We're looking at six verses, that's it. Uh, but before we jump into that, I just kind of want to lay out uh, the different things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about three different ways that we can disciple our families. The first is by doing, second is, or sorry, I already messed up. The first is by being, the second is by doing, and the third is by teaching. And then after that, who here knows that we have an enemy that is fighting against our families? Yeah, so when we start to disciple our kids and we want them to know Jesus, there's an enemy that doesn't like that. And so we're going to talk about a few things that we have to be aware of uh, that can hinder discipleship in our families. Um, so before we dive into the being and the doing and the teaching, I, uh, we have a little scripture verse that we're going to be looking at today. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, four through nine. And before we read it, I always like to give a little context so we can kind of understand where the verse is coming from. Um, this portion of scripture was called the Shema for the Jewish people. Uh, the Shema is in, held in super high regard to the Jewish people. It was and still is to this day held in high regard. And it is something that they pass down from generation to generation to generation. Now, the verses that we're reading today is just really the introduction into the Shema. Uh, but this, this scripture was something that they recited daily. Okay, so they recited it in the morning, and they recited it in the afternoon, and they recited it in the evening. Uh, they recited it in church services. They recited it kind of as a last rite also before someone passes away. So we know that it was important, foundational to their faith. But to me, this scripture really is uh, the basic understanding and foundation 
of family discipleship. So that's what I want you to understand before we read the scripture this morning. So it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So just right there, the Lord our God, the Lord is one means that there is no other gods. This was written in a time where there were multiple gods. You could have beliefs in multiple gods. And this is simply just saying, no, he is one, and that's it. Um, and then it goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So according to the first part of the scripture, it says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. So how do we disciple our kids? By being, simply by being, by being in love with Jesus, by knowing Jesus, by walking with him. You need to be a follower of Jesus in order to disciple your kids to be a follower of Jesus. This goes for anything, right? Anything you're trying to teach your kids. I cannot try and teach my kids to change a tire because I have never changed a tire before, right? So the same goes for our discipleship with our kids. We have to know Jesus for ourselves. We have to love Jesus for ourselves and then learn to walk that out to be able to disciple our kids. Now, if this is where you are today, simply at that beginning stage of just learning about Jesus, of just accepting him as your Lord and Savior, that is a beautiful place to be. And then all of the steps behind can fall into order. But this is the most vital and most important step in family discipleship. So how do we disciple by being? You, as the parent or the discipler, if it's not a parent-child relationship, you can disciple uh, through being in the way that you live your lives each day. Okay? So there's an old saying that more is caught than taught. And I really believe that rings true the most when it comes to our Christian walk and our faith life and how we live out our love for Jesus. We can tell our kids over and over and over and over again that we love Jesus. But if we aren't walking the walk or talking the talk, as they say, they'll pick up on that. They know. They're smart, right? Sometimes I think we forget how smart that they are. So they'll recognize if you're just saying it and not living it. Living out our faith is something, no matter how long you've been a Christian for, it's something that we all need to continuously be working on. Um, I really believe that modeling our Christian walk is vital, the most vital when it comes to discipleship. So I want to give you a couple ways that we feel convicted in our house to model this for our kids. Uh, the first one is we want our kids to see us reading the Bible. That's important. Um, sometimes it looks like really, really digging in and studying, and sometimes it looks like just reading a couple verses because the kids are crazy and I'm yelling at them. <laughs> um, praying, right? We want to model praying. We want our kids to hear us pray out loud so they learn how to pray out loud. That's important. Pray by yourself. Pray with the family. Just make sure you're praying and that your kids can hear you. Um, giving. We want to model giving. My mom was a single mom, and every uh, two weeks, she would write out a tithe check to church. She modeled that so well for, our ki for her kids, us, our, her kids, knowing that she 
uh, saw God as her provider and knew that he would be faithful. So we need to model that for our kids as well. Uh, Building relationships. We want to build healthy relationships within Christian circles and outside of Christian circles for our children to see how we are walking this out with other people. Stepping outside of our comfort zone. That is one that I think is so important that you need to model for your kids. Because one day, God is going to ask your children to step outside of their comfort zone. And if, if your kids have not seen you do that, how will they know that God was faithful in that? Right? So we have to step outside of our comfort zone, include our kids in on that, and say, hey, mom, uh, God is asking us to do this. God is telling us to do this. And we're nervous, but we're going to step out in faith, and God will, will provide. So that someday when God asks them to do something hard, they can look back on that moment and say, but God was faithful to my parents. And then one thing I think is very important is model forgiveness and apologizing. So as I said, I'll be reading my Bible. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I'm reading my Bible like a wonderful Christian woman. And then um, I'll go over to whatever child it is, Lou, and I'll say, hey, Lou, um, this is that modeling, apologizing, and forgiveness. I'll say to Lou, I'm so sorry that mom lost her temper. I'm so sorry mom yelled at you. Do you forgive me? And hopefully he says yes. And then I always follow it up with this. Thanks for forgiving me. Now I need to go ask Jesus for forgiveness because I'm a sinner and I need his grace. And we, I would like to follow it up with that because sometimes I think our kids are always hearing, well, they need forgiveness and they're the ones that are screwing up. But moms and dads and it, whoever, every person, we're all falling short. And so we need to model that, coming back to Jesus and saying, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. I need to ask your forgiveness and also Jesus' forgiveness. So this week, I want you to challenge yourself. How are you walking this out with your family? In what ways are you modeling your love of Jesus for your kids? How are you discipling them just by them watching you this week? So the first step in discipleship is that you need to love and know Jesus. Like, that's the most important thing. It starts there. Discipleship starts with our children seeing that we have a relationship with Jesus. And then we can move on to the next thing. So the next way that we can disciple is by doing. And if you look at the first part of verse 7, it says this. Impress them on your children. Impress these commandments on your children. Impress. How do we impress the love for God on our children? We do that by incorporating faith into their daily life. And we need to make sure that our kids understand that faith is not just for the adults. Faith is not just for mommy and daddy. Faith is for them as well. And so this is like the practical day-to-day stuff, just the flow of life. It's not like God is asking you to add all these things to your life. He's just saying as you live your life, disciple your kids. A good way to think of it is this, as you go, as you go, as you live your life, Learn how to incorporate Jesus into your daily routines. So look at all of verse 7. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I think that we think discipleship is like supposed to be this formal thing. When really, it's just bringing our kids alongside us in life and having these moments where we can teach them as you live your life, as you go about your day. And so maybe for you, when you read in that verse, it says, when you walk along the road, maybe for you, that means when you're in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, because I know you're in that drive-thru, right? Right? Because <laughs> right? they have some delicious chicken, right? And so you're in the drive-thru, and maybe it's something as silly as this. You order your food, and then you turn around and you say, how blessed are we that we get to go out to eat? Or 
isn't it so cool that God created taste buds so that we can taste this delicious chicken? That is discipleship. As silly as that is, we've just incorporated Jesus and the gospel and how good God is into everyday life. That's what we're called to do. And so maybe it's when you're bringing your kids to practice or when you're doing chores with them or when they're brushing their teeth like our kids do every single day, twice a day. They do. No, they don't. They don't. We're terrible at that. Help us to get them to brush their teeth. We need but better disciples for the Yes, tooth the toothbrushers. Anyways, so when, as you are living your life, bring up Jesus because the gospel fits into every single aspect of your life. Um, for us, there's a couple things that we do. Again, highlight reel and Brooke is much better at organizing these things <laughs> and did you just flip your hair and remembering to do these things all right so I'm just, so I'm thankful for her but a couple things we do uh, on the way to school we pray with them okay uh, so we ask them what they're looking forward to in the day things that they're nervous about we pray the blessing of God over them and that they would be able to shine their light for Jesus in their school and again Brooke is much better at this because in the morning I'm like, let's get these kids out the door, and I'm frustrated. Then we get in the car. I'm like, I don't want to pray, right? But sometimes I do. I'm like, dear Lord, bless these kids and help them to behave better, right? But, you know, again, God has grace, right? And it's just the fact that we are instilling these things into our kids. And then at the end of the day, at dinner, we do this. We're pretty good at this one. We do this one pretty much every day. We go around the table and we ask the kids what was the uh, worst part of your day, what was the best part of your day, and then we say, how did you shine your light for Jesus? Can I add something? Yeah. And just so you know, when we have teenagers over, we make them do this. Yes. And if our kids have friends over that are staying for dinner, we make them do it as well. And if they don't know Jesus, we say, how are you kind today? Yep. And then she also asks me, and I ask her. So dads and fathers in here, I'm going to call you out. You need to engage in this. You need to engage in family discipleship. You cannot leave it up to your wife to lead your children in the ways of Jesus. We need to do better as husbands, even if we're uncomfortable or we don't want to talk about our feelings or about how we love Jesus. Your kids need to hear it from you. They need to see you model this. You're a huge part of what sets the spiritual tone in your home. Another side note, maybe you're in here and you're saying, there's someone missing in my life. I'm a single parent. Like, there's someone who's not here who should be helping me disciple my kids. You need to know that God has grace in those circumstances, that he uses the body of Christ. He uses his Holy Spirit to fill those gaps. We have had people in our life who are missing, and God has grace, and he doesn't replace that person, but he uses people in the body of Christ to speak things into our lives and into the lives of our children. And so if you're saying, how do I do this? It's just me and the kids. God has grace for you. And there are people here who want to rally around you and who want to be there for you. Um, a couple other things that we do. One thing is this. We talk a lot about the things that our kids like. So we have to know that, right? So we have to communicate with our kids and figure out what they like. And then we talk about how amazing it is that God has blessed them with those things. So right now, we talk a lot about Legos, video games, Barbies and the color pink. Rachel loves pink. She is all girl. And so we get to say, who, the, who, who invented pink? And she says, God. And then we get to say, how cool is it that God loves you so much that he came up with the color pink so that you can enjoy it? Right. Like it's that simple. It's that simple. Um, we right now are going through a phase where we have a couple of kids who are nervous and anxious about things like tornadoes and 
going to school. And so we have used that as an opportunity to point them to Jesus. So when they're anxious, when they're, you know, nervous or hurting, we point them where? We point them to Jesus. We point them to the gospel. And we say, is God big enough to get us through this? Um, another thing we go in, and Brooke kind of touched on this, we try to add our kids into our own faith moments. So, like, if I'm nervous about speaking this morning at church, I'm going to tell my kids that on Saturday. And they're going to know that I'm, I'm a little nervous about this, but God has asked me to do it. And then they get to see me work through that with God. Or if Brooke is, is asked to go speak somewhere and she's scared to do it and she doesn't know if she can do it, we tell the kids that. And then we say, yeah, we're, we're scared and we're nervous, but it's more important to do it because God has asked us to. And then he gets, they, our kids get to see us go and do it and then see God come through and be faithful. And so it's super important that in your own faith walk that you would add your kids and do th the things that you're going through as well. So that's kind of like the day-to-day -day flow kind of as you go. But then there's also going to be moments where, it's, where God is saying, hey, like this is a moment for a little bit deeper discipleship. Like don't pass this moment up where you can go a little bit deeper. Uh, and Jesus was amazing at this. Like, he was amazing at seeing situations and then being like, oh, this is a great moment where I can teach my disciples something, where I can disciple them a little bit deeper. Do you remember this one time in the Bible where Jesus caught his disciples arguing, arguing about who was going to be the greatest? You guys remember that? No, just, are you even church people in here? What is this? No, I'm kidding. So one's like, oh, I'm going to be the greatest, or I'm going to be the greatest. And Jesus saw this and was like, Here's an opportunity. It wasn't like he had a sermon planned out or like a, a holstered devotional that he pulled out, you know, for the, it wasn't like he was waiting for the perfect moment. He simply saw that God gave him some low-hanging fruit, and he grabbed it, and he used it as, as a moment for teaching. And he says, you guys are talking about who's going to be the greatest. Well, in, in my father's kingdom, uh, whoever is least is going to be greatest, right? And so he just used that as a moment, a huge moment of discipleship. Uh, and so we have a couple examples of that that have happened in our house. One happened when my son Lucas and I were on our missions trip in Mexico. Now, we happen to be on a missions trip, so we sound like super spiritual, right? But this is like everyday life. Like you just got to look for these moments when God speaks to you. Um, so we were on this missions trip in Mexico, and there was this need where this woman had come uh, to our team and said, hey, I need help financially. My son needs surgery. Uh, and she's like, I'm just... I'm, I'm even embarrassed to be, have to ask, but I'm just, you're my last resort, and she, and she needed some help. And so us as a team, we were, like, praying about what we were going to do. And uh, Lou, our son, he has seen us give. He's seen us ask God about what we should give. He's seen us be generous. By the way, side note, we talk about money in our house with our children. Some people are weird about money. Like, you don't have to be weird about it. It's just a tool. And we want God, or we want our kids to know that money is just a tool that, God wants us to steward for his kingdom. Right. And so we talk about generosity and, and money. And, and if we're, you know, giving to something and our kids ask, well, how much are you giving? We'll say, well, we felt God called us to give this amount. And we tell them. Like, it's okay. You can talk about money with your kids. Anyways, side note. So, Lou, we're there, and there's this woman who has a need. And I could have easily just reached into my wallet and said, yeah, we're going to give 20 bucks or whatever and just be done with it. But the Holy Spirit was like, you need to use this as a moment to teach your son. You need to use this as a moment to disciple your son. And so I went and got Lou, and, and I said, well, what do, you, what do you think about this? He said, ah, you know, it seems kind of sad. Or I was like, well, what do you think you should do? He's like, I don't know. And Okay, well, let's pray about it. And so we prayed, and I said, ask God what you, what you think we should give. And after we prayed, this was his response. And this is wisdom, y'all, because he goes, how much we got? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, that's wisdom right there. So I pull in my wallet. I'm like, we got like 35 bucks in here. He goes, 
I feel like God told me that we're supposed to give 13. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. So we gave $13. It wouldn't have mattered if he said $1 or $35. We would have done it, right? Because it was simply just a moment where God was like, yeah, you can just give to this and be, it can be done. Or you can use it as a moment where your son can ask God to speak to him. And then see God be faithful, and we can follow through with it. And then uh, Brooke has another one she wants to share. Yeah, so Lou, he's nine now, but he, about when he was about five in kindergarten, uh, we had this moment where it was about Christmas time, and the kids were all supposed to wear Christmas pajamas to school. And we kind of don't roll very organized when it comes to school. We kind of, like, last minute, don't pack your backpacks until you're running out the door kind of people. And so Again, the teeth brushing thing. We fall short in the mornings because yes, we're so far behind. So help us. Yeah, we could use discipleship. But um, so we're like looking all around for these jammies. Can't find them anywhere. He only has one pair of Christmas pajamas. And he's like getting like anxious. I'm going to be the only one in my class without Christmas pajamas. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, I felt this check in my like heart. Pray with him to find the pajamas. And I was like, nope, not going to do that. Because what if God doesn't come through? And so I keep, we're keep looking and Keep, look, keep on looking for the pajamas. Still in my spirit, I feel this again. Pray about the pajamas. So I look over at Lou, and I said, Lou, why don't we pray and ask Jesus to help us find these pajamas? And he's like, okay. And so I'm praying, like, Lord, help us find the pajamas. And in my head, I'm like, God, you better come through because this five-year-old, this could be a terrible moment or a really great moment of faith for him. And so we're praying, and then I open my eyes, and at the same time, both of us out of the corner of our eyes, we see the pajamas on the floor where we had walked over many times. And it was such a faith-building moment for me as a reminder to, just for me to think, like, God cares about the things my kids care about. Like, he cares about their hearts. He cares about what they want. And so, and for Lou, I looked at him, I said, Lou, look at how much God loves you. Like, he cares about your pajama day. He wants you to wear pajamas just like all your other friends. And again, that could have been a moment where we could have just passed by. But instead, thankfully, I was obedient in that moment to say, let's bring God into this moment and see if he can help us. And so how do we discipleship by doing? Well, we'll have those moments again where it's like God says, all right, this is a situation where I want you to do a little deeper uh, discipleship. But also just as we go. So as we live our life, we're just incorporating faith into the daily life um, of our kids. Uh, so first, we're, we're called to, or living out our faith by being is vital to discipleship. Uh, incorporating faith into our kids' lives by doing is vital to discipleship. But having said that, we also need to be intentional about teaching our children. So we need to have those moments where we dive deeper into the word of God with them and teach them about what it means to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. Yes, yeah, so that's the third step to discipleship is teaching. Again, while we're doing our everyday life um, and discipling as we go, teaching is intentional time that is set aside with your kids for the purpose of discipling them to follow Jesus. Your children should hear more about Jesus and more about the Bible from you than they do here at church. Okay, church is a supplement to what you are doing. It's a supplement to how you are discipling at home. So Deuteronomy 6, verses 8 and 9 says, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what they're talking about here is them kind of meaning like their beliefs, 
their Christian or Jewish beliefs. They're tying them. And by the way, they actually did take the Shema, and they tied it around their wrists. And then they put a little box on their foreheads, and they stuck the introduction, which we read, that Deuteronomy, they stuck it inside the box, tied it around their heads, and then they'd give it to the next generation, and they'd give it to the next generation, and they'd give it to the next generation. That's how they were intentional in teaching those coming behind them, their children or whomever that they were discipling, about their beliefs. So we need to be intentional about teaching the next generation our beliefs. How are we going to do that? I'm not going to ask you to tie the Bible on your forehead. (laughs) But I am going to ask you to be intentional with the time that you have. Only you know your family schedule. I don't know your family schedule, so I can't say this is the time of day that you should set aside for discipling. You have to be realistic in what that looks like. Please be realistic in what that looks like. There have been times where I'm like, we're going to have this big family moment of teaching and we're going to listen to three worship songs and then we're going to pray for 15 minutes and then read two hours worth of the Bible and it's going to go great. And it doesn't, right? It never does. In fact, every time we set aside these family teaching times, the enemy himself comes in the form of my children, right? Somebody has to go potty. Somebody's pajamas are fitting too tightly. Somebody is hungry. Somebody needs a cup of water. Somebody is just crabby. And that's just Stephen. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding. It's never Stephen. It's our children. But really, like, the enemy wants to take away those moments of teaching. And so he does. <laughs> he comes in the form of our little children. Um, but we have to be intentional with the time that we have. Okay? So I'm going to share with you what our teaching time looks like. And, again, um, our age and stage of kids is younger. And so this does work for us. But don't look at it and say, well, we can't do that. We'll, I'll, we'll talk about after some, some other ways that you can disciple uh, during teaching time. But right now, we have a kid right now who is very into structure and routine. So we have charged this kid to remind us every night to read our Bibles, okay? So we do this family reading time where he is in charge of saying, now we're going to read our devotional for tonight. And so he, if we don't do it, it throws off the night for the rest of the family. So we are really good and intentional with this because of him, (laughs) So I brought along over here, I have kind of a stack of just teaching tools, uh, different Bibles and books that we use in our family that work for us in the age and stage our kids are in. So if after service, if you're like, I miss Lifeway and I would like to page through some books, you can come on up and look at that. Um, but so you might be thinking, okay, great. Yeah, we could never do a nightly time. You're making me feel bad about ourselves. Well, I want to encourage you because it could be as simple as at the dinner table doing the highs of the day, the lows of the day, and then saying, what did you do to serve Jesus today? Or what did you do to serve other people? Or how are you the light of Jesus today? It could be as simple as that. That could be your intentional teaching time. And that's great, right? That's great. As long as we're teaching Jesus in our homes, that's great. Now, maybe you have a baby. You're in that stage where you're like, okay, well, how am I supposed to teach them the Bible when they're babies? Well, this is a great age just to get in the habit of reading those baby Bibles with our kids, right? They love love sitting on our laps and looking at books. So that's a great way to just beginning uh, getting in that habit. Which, by the way, side note, we have lots of side notes today. Children's Bibles are the best, okay? If you are like, this Bible thing is daunting. I don't know where to begin. It's huge. It's massive. How am I supposed to read this? Read with your kid. 
get a good children's Bible. Learn the stories. Learn the life of Jesus right alongside of your kid. To me, that is like the winningest of all winning solutions because you are learning winning of winningest, yes. You are learning right alongside of your child. You are discipling them as you're learning. Like that is a beautiful picture to me. One thing I really got in the habit of doing when our, our kids were babies was praying over them as I would bathe them. So if I was cleaning around their eyes, I would pray that their eyes would see Jesus. If I was cleaning their hands, pray that um, their hands would work for Jesus. Cleaning their legs and feet, that they would run after Jesus. Heart, that they would have a heart for Jesus. Just getting in these habits of t setting intentional side, uh, uh, setting aside intentional time for the purpose of teaching our kids about Jesus. Now, teenagers, kids, you can help your parents with this, right? You can come up with some creative ideas. On to families with teenagers. We don't have teenagers in our house. We do work with teenagers. So we recognize getting, to do, getting teenagers to do anything is a challenge, right? Let alone getting them to, yes, amen, getting them to answer you when you talk to them or to stay on task is, is really hard. It can be really challenging. But I have a friend of mine, and I asked her how she does teaching time or devotional time with her teenagers. And she told me that they do this thing called chit chat chocolate. So she figures out all of her kids' favorite chocolates and throws them on the table one time a week for 15 minutes. They sit down at the table, and one of their teenagers reads a quick portion of scripture, whatever the teenager wants to read. And then they have a little quick discussion about it, and then they go over prayer requests. That's it. 15 minutes, 52 times a year. We can make it as simple as that, right? All I'm trying to say is set aside some time to teach your kids about Jesus. Now, I want to end by just saying this. During teaching time, we've noticed with our kids and with the teenagers here at church, is they are, the kids will ask you difficult questions. They're going to ask you questions. And we always, especially as parents, we want to be a safe landing place for our kids to process their questions with, okay? If we have shocked faces or if we are disappointed that they would even question that, they will Google it, okay? They will Google their question next time. And we want to make sure that we are a safe landing place for them to ask all kinds of questions, okay? So that's my, my big thing is make sure that you are a safe place for them to process with. So this week, I want to challenge you to do this with your families. How are you discipling your families? How are you setting aside intentional teaching time with your kids? Make a goal of just 15 minutes one time a week. It can be as simple as you want or it can be as creative as you want. And just know that God is not counting the hours, right? He's not like doing like book report style. How many times are you doing teaching time at home? He's not doing that. There's so much grace when it comes to teaching time and family discipleship. So as we kind of start to close here, again, as you decide, okay, I'm in. Like, I want to disciple our kids. Like, I want them to know and love Jesus. The enemy does not like that. And so there are going to be things that, that hinder discipleship. And so I just want to talk about three of those things real quick, three enemies of discipleship. The first one is misplaced love. We need to be cultivating a heart for Jesus. That needs to be our priority, not a heart for his stuff or what he can offer us. And so I want you to think right now, like, have I given myself over to the Lord? 
Have I laid my life at the foot of the cross? Are you filling your life and your kids' lives with the things that stir your affections for Christ? Are you in this thing for Jesus, or is it, other, is it, is it for some other selfish ambition? I think sometimes as parents, we have young kids, and we're like, the world's kind of crazy out there. I don't know what's going to happen. And we're like, I don't want my kids smoking the devil's lettuce or getting pregnant. So we better go to church. If you're here to modify your kids' behavior, you're here for the wrong reason. We are here because we love Jesus. And we want our kids to love Jesus and know Jesus. So that's the first one, misplaced love. I know you like that devil's lettuce. The second one is this, non-present presence. When you are with your kids, are you really there? Are you really present when you are with your kids? We are all guilty of this, right? Scrolling on Facebook or on our phone while our kid is like trying to get our attention or wants to play with us and we're just like tapped out. Let me ask you this. If we're not present for our kids, are they going to be present for your grandkids? Because we leave a legacy. Like, we're discipling our kids. That's what we're doing. We all need a time to tap out as parents, okay? We all need a time where we can zone out and tap out. But don't check out for your kid's childhood. Be there. Be there with your kids. Be present. And then the last one is this, lack of intentionality. If you want to disciple your kids to know and love Jesus, it takes intentionality. God does not ask for perfection. But we have to have a plan. So you have to come up with, okay, when are we going to spend time in the word with our kids? When are, how are we going to walk this out? When, will we see, when are they going to see us stepping outside of our comfort zone? When will they see us engaging in relationships with Jesus and other uh, people that we know? Be intentional. We have to make sure as we begin to disciple our kids that we are intentional against fighting against the things that will hinder discipleship. All right. So as we close today, I realize that this family discipleship that we're talking about is not a magic solution for our kids to love and to serve Jesus. I really wish there was a magic solution for this. But what we're doing is when we're being intentional about discipling our kids, we're doing the groundwork, right? We're laying out the logs for Jesus to come in and ignite their hearts to love and to serve him. So every time our kids see us read the Bible, we're laying a log. We're laying the groundwork for our kids to love and to serve Jesus. Every time we're praying together as a family, we're laying a log, setting the ground right for our kids' hearts to love and to serve Jesus. Every time we're prioritizing church or youth camp or youth, kids camp, youth group, we're laying a log, setting the stage for our kids to love and to serve Jesus. Every time we're allowing our kids to ask those tough questions, we're laying the foundation. And every time that we are being intentional with the time that we have, we are preparing our kids' hearts to love and to serve Jesus. Again, please know that there is no shame in this, right? We're not going to get it right every day. We can't go back, back and fix what we did yesterday, but we can move forward today in how we are discipling our kids. So let's close in prayer together. Lord, right now, I just pray for anyone who is feeling shame, thinking that maybe they haven't done a good enough job in their parenting or their discipleship. Lord, I pray that you would silence those thoughts because those thoughts are not from you. 
We know that you never condemn us, but you fill us in our situations with your grace and your mercy. Lord, I ask that you would just give us creative ideas and solutions as far as how we are to walk out this family discipleship. I also just want to take a minute, Lord, and, and pray for those who might have kids that have walked away from you. Lord, I pray right now you begin to call those kids back, that you draw them close to your heart, and you would also remind those kids that there's no shame and condemnation found in you, but just new life. So again, I ask for your wisdom, your guidance, your grace on walking this out, and I pray that you would help us be an example to our kids as we model our love for you. And that's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please know uh, that as the staff of the church here, we are here to be a resource to you. So if you have questions or you need help coming up with resources or ideas for your family, we would love to be able to help you with that. Uh, if you're new, we'd love to meet you. If you need prayer, we'll have some prayer teams up here. Uh, otherwise, you guys have a great week. Thank you.